Um, we're going to look at something just for a few moments. I want to speak on uh, uh, God is able and God's sovereignty just for a couple of moments. Uh, not got very long, so I'm not going to go on and on and on. But there's something I want to speak into. I really feel this morning I want to break from something that I've been speaking about. We've been taking series as a church called Church Alive. I want to just come aside from that and speak into the circumstance that we find ourselves as a nation. Uh, Not that I think I can speak into the circumstance of our whole nation, far from it, but I've got something that I was on my heart and mind and I've been praying about the last week or so and over the last few days in particular that I want to not a knee-jerk reaction, but just uh, a a reaction partly to what we're finding ourselves in as a nation due to the, uh, uh, the referendum that we've just taken as a nation. So I just want to say a few things into that, and we're going to look at, for a moment or two, at the, the, an, an understanding of the, the sovereignty of God. How I believe that you know, human destiny is determined by our Creator. Our, uh, God decides our destiny, not the European Union, not the President of the United States or the Senate or the... Uh, the prime minister and the, the next prime minister, we're about to have another, another prime minister, our country being thrown into a, a sense of uncertainty. But I want to say to you this morning, I believe and I understand from what the, the Old and the New Testament reveals and what the Bible reveals is that God, Father God, is the one who determines human destiny and the destiny of the nations, not only the United Kingdom, but of the destiny of the nations, the whole earth. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And I just want to just reliterate that this morning. It's not fatalistic, I believe, what I'm about to say, but full of faith. Faith in a loving Father and an amazing Sovereign who determines the course of our destiny. And uh, if you were to look at the media at the moment, if you are an avid user of Facebook, WhatsApp, uh, Reddit, or you're on Twitter, um, you, you, you would be reaching for the ejector seat the ripcord, uh, don't panic, we're in meltdown, you know, only a few days ago thus was happening, now today we're all doomed. And I, want, I don't want to belittle any of that, I'm sure there is circumstance that is going on right now, and we're, we're aware of all of that, but hang on a minute, um, I believe that, you know, God, this is a time to really, a time of an incredible opportunity for us to just take stock a moment or two and just see what God has to say and what God has been saying. And God, I believe, is speaking to the nations. Whatever is about to happen in the United States of America as they look to, to elect a new president, uh, there are things happening around the world with people rejecting certain sense of establishment and authority, people kicking back against globalization and wanting a sense of independence and their own sense of sovereignty. So I want to just look at this morning at... You know, the ultimate sovereignty is with God, Father God, the creator, sustainer of the universe. He's the beginning and the end, and it doesn't finish until he says so. God has the final say. He had the first say. At the very beginning of creation, the Lord said, let there be light and life. And he's the one who will say it, the final ending and bringing all things to a conclusion. It's Father God. He's the Alpha and the Omega, it says in the letter to the Revelation, to the, to, uh, in the letter to the Church of the Revelation. So it's into that just moment or two. I don't believe I have all the answers. And um, 
just want to speak into that, and then we're going to conclude as we worship together and pray over our nation together. So that's where we're going to go. So, you know, we've experienced uh, momentous um, days in the last few days. We've had a, you know, a year or so, or six months or so, running up to a referendum, and there's a 50-50 elation and disappointment in our nation at the moment right now. It's a sort of a 50-50 balance, almost, of elation and desperation. Uh, and some people sense a sense of elation now turning to for some a sense of, oh dear, what have I done or what have we done? And for others, elation and others, complete desperation. As I said, you know, um, I, I, I sort of made a bit of a decision on, on the day of um, what the, 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 the conclusion of the polls. Uh, I had a quick look at Facebook and then decided it's toxic out there. I'm going to put it aside for a few days. I didn't, I'm not an ostrich. I don't hide my head in the sand. I use Facebook. I'm on it now and again. But I decided, you know, and a lot of the toxicity, listen to this, a lot of the toxicity was coming from other Christians because most of the people I'm friends with are Christians. And the more the toxicity that I was hearing and reading, I thought, my word, this is, this is, pretty, this is pretty incredible what's going on. And if you were to look at Sky News, BBC News, Fox News, I think on Fox News it said that we've come out of the UN. <laughs> we haven't, it's the European Union. And we haven't done that yet. It's going to take another two years to negotiate. Two more years to negotiate. So, uh, to quote someone that I often quote that hardly any of us realise, don't panic, don't panic, Mr. Mannerin, he used to say in Dad's Army. Just want to look at this just for a moment or two. So, there are shockwaves. You know, I'm not belittling it. There are shockwaves going around the nations at the moment. And I think there are going to be some more shockwaves to come. Uh, I'm not, I'm, that's not a prophecy. That's, that's, that's you know, the, uh, pro- prophetically, there are shockwaves. And uh, I'm sure that there will be other shockwaves to come. And uh, we're encouraged not to be uh, alarmed by that and to not be dismayed, to be prepared and to take courage in God. And Jesus says this, and I want to look at that for a moment or two. And uh, so I'm concerned, like you are, about what's happening, but I'm ultimately not worried. I want to say that again. I am concerned about what is happening in the nations and in the world. I'm sure you are. But I am not worried to the point of feeling sick. Now, you might be, and that's okay if you feel like that, but I'm going to give you my reasons why, and, uh, and a reason why I, I don't believe, you know, we should be concerned, but we can do something about that concern. We can do something with that concern. Uh, but I tell you what I am concerned about is attitudes and the attitudes of people in our nation and the attitudes of jumping on the bandwagon, and the attitude of everything is now going to be doom, and the attitude that says, it's your fault. You know, if, if it had been Remain had won, others would be saying, now it's your fault. You know, you can imagine all this. We've always got to point at someone. We've always got to blame someone. It happened at the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. Adam said, she made me do it. It's something about human nature. We've got to blame something or someone. And Christians are doing that. Christians are doing that even at this time. And um, so the first thing I would like to say is this, that God is sovereign. Father God, Almighty God, is sovereign of the entire universe. He's creator of the universe. In the Old Testament, listen, all right, I've only got a few minutes I promise I'm not going to be here all day now, so I've got, so just 
buckle up your seatbelt for a moment or two. Get tight on your seat. And I'm just going to just share something briefly. It's not going to be too theological. It's just going to be basic and simple. Because that's what I am. Basic and simple. But I want to say this. In the Old Testament, we understand this. And this is what I'm going to say about sovereignty. And this is so important that we get hold of this. It is vital that you just get hold of this. It's vital, United States of America. It's vital, United Kingdom. It's vital, Europe. It's vital, every person in the world, that we just get hold of this for a moment or two. Because as human beings, we think that we are in control, that we decide destiny. We're very clever. We're amazingly, wonderfully made. We're made in the image of an incredible creator, God. But you know what? Someone else has the final say. His name is Almighty God. In Psalm 24, verse 1, it reads like this. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Sovereignty. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Not the stock markets. Not the Dow Jones. Not the FTSE 100. Of course, these are important. Of course, we will feel shaken. It's not about speculators. It's not the city of London, as we're going to find out now. That is, it's the earth is the Lord's. It's not big business. It's not corporate organizations. It's not global business. Of course, all these things have a say in the world. Of course, we will see things go up and down. Of course, I don't doubt that you know, we will be shaken in these things, but they do not. We will be shaken, and things will go up, and prosperity will go up and down, up and down. It's cyclical as it were. But look, the earth, just take stock of this for a moment. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, almighty God, the world and all who live in it. Psalm 42 verse 2. I'm not going to quote every single scripture of the Bible, but just a couple, okay? Psalm 42 verse 2 reads like this. For the Lord most high is awesome, the great king over all the earth. God is king over all of the earth. God is all-knowing. He's everywhere present and he is all-powerful. In other words, he's omniscient, omnipresent and omnipotent. God is all-knowing, everywhere present and all-powerful. Nothing takes him by surprise. Nothing is out of his control. Nothing is from his fingertips. Everything is in the palm of his hand and he has the power to say so. He can say so. A sovereign has the final say. This, our country, people are saying it's all about sense of sovereignty. People talking about sovereignty and having, being able to have the sense of we're in control of our destiny. People are talking about having your own sovereignty. This is what's going to happen in Europe. More and more countries are going to talk about sovereignty. It's not just about immigration. And sovereignty is about having a say, having the final say in my life. Can I just say the sovereign of all the universe is almighty God. He's the one who determines destiny. He's the one who has the final say. He's the one whose hands are on everything in this world and in the universe. He's the one that will allow things and he's the one that will say what goes. Almighty God. And the Bible says that God is love. It says that also his will, is his purpose is good and pleasing. He reveals himself as a father in heaven. So we can trust this almighty sovereign God. In the New Testament, we understand that the early church understood this idea of sovereignty. In, uh, so if we come out of the Old Testament, we come into the New Testament, this understanding of God being in control, God being sovereign, God having the final say, God determining destiny. When there was shaky times in the early church, when the earth was being shaken, when the early church was being shaken to the core, look at this, is in Acts chapter 4. The early believers in Acts chapter 4 were being taken away 
beaten to a pulp, beaten to death, and being ordered, if you say any more, we will kill you all. The religious leaders of the day in Jerusalem said this. This is an Acts 4. That's the background. And then the early, those first leaders went back to a group of other people, other Christians, and they said, let's pray together. And they prayed according to the sovereignty of God. Look at this. In Acts 4, we read these words. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant David, our father David. Why? You could, you could say this could be being read over us right now. This is right now for our nation. This is right now for the United States. This is right now for Europe. This is right now for the world. Look at this. Why do the nations rage? There's a lot of raging going on in the world right now, the stock markets and things. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord, against the anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with all the other Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did. Now this is the sovereignty aspect. They did what your power and will decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where their meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. There was something about understanding that God is in control, that God determines our destiny. And in that, they said, Sovereign Lord, you are the creator, the sustainer, the maker of the world. It's you who we trust. Nothing happens without your say-so. Your hand is on all of these things. And if we are being shaken, if we're being told that we'll be put to death, You have your hand on these things, and you empower us by the power of the Spirit. The early believers understood the sovereignty of Almighty God. Now, I would say that understanding the sovereignty of God, that he's in charge, calls then for us to trust God. This is the second thing I want to say. The understanding that God is in control calls for trust. At a time like this, church, at a time like this, it calls for trust. We read, again, let me just read a few scriptures to you in the Old and New Testament about trusting in the sovereignty of God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Proverbs 3, 5. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. If you look at Facebook right now and after Christians that are just churning out some of it like it's like bile. The antidote to that is trust in the Lord with all our heart and don't lean on our own understanding. It's not wrong to have debate. Of course we want debate. It's not wrong to think about these things and to have your opinion, of course. And to, but it's trusting in God. Proverbs chapter 3, 5, what we call the wisdom literature. Wisdom. Wisdom is trusting and understanding the times in God. That's of great wisdom. It's worth more than all of the FTSE 100 could ever give you. More than precious crowns, jewels, and gold, says the Bible, says in Proverbs. Psalm 27, verse 7, reads like this. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. 
In other words, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. That's not overly triumphalistic. It's saying that we can't trust in our technology. We can't just trust in um, a free market economy. We can't just trust in globalization. We can't just trust in our politicians. We're to pray for our politicians. We're to pray for the economy, but we don't trust in those things. We trust in our living God. We're called to trust in God, to put our whole hearts in the hands of God. When Jesus put out his hands on the cross, he he puts his hands out to you and I and says, just as I stretched my hands out for you, will you now put your hands in my hands right now? Now, you might say, well, where'd you get that from? Well, now look at this as we come into the New Testament. I could read you loads on trust, but we haven't got time for that. You have a look at it for yourself. Uh, And when we come into the New Testament, this is what Jesus says in John 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me also. John 14, 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in Father God, then believe in me also. A number of other translations put it like this. It's the same as from the NIV I've just read. But a number of other translations say this. John 14, 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me, says Jesus. Sovereign of the universe. Trust in God. Now trust in Christ. Trust in Jesus Christ. That's why the last two or three years as a church, we've taken this idea of following Jesus, giving our whole hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. No one, no other name but Jesus. That's why this morning all the songs we're singing are singing about the sovereignty of God in our hearts and lives. And Jesus says, come and trust me. I'm the one who put my hands out for you. Now I put my hand out and will you follow me? And as a Christian, I'm called to trust him with all my heart and life. Of course, it's going to be shaky. You bet. Well, I don't bet. (laughs) Not the best terminology, is it? But God calls us to trust in him with all our hearts and with all of our minds. So, sovereignty of God calls us to trust. And Jesus says, you trust, in, you, trust, you trust in God, then trust also in me. Very quickly, there are three things that we can do as we respond in trust. Three things that you can do, you and I can do this morning. Three things that you and I can do today. Three things that you can take to Facebook, Reddit, Twitter, and tell your friends, hey, don't panic, let's trust in the sovereignty of God. They'll probably come back to you, and I I saw someone talking about sovereignty, saying it's all about fate. It's not fate, it's faith. Faith in a God who will not leave us nor forsake us. Now, I'm going to say a few things about those that aren't Christians. What does that mean for the world at large? And we're going to move very, very quickly because we want to pray in a moment or two. So three brief things I want to say. If we're going to respond when Jesus said, trust in me, if we're going to respond to Jesus Christ, respond to his sovereignty with trust. First thing, three things that we can do. Number one, trust Jesus. Number two, found our life on him. In other words, on the rock. And number three, remain in him. Three things. It's all about Jesus. Everything. It's all about Jesus. You don't trust even in your pastors. You don't even trust in your church. Although you, you, you have a degree of trust in some of what they say. I, mean, I know that. But ultimately, it's Jesus Christ whom we trust. It's not our denomination. It's not our style of worship. It's not the type, we, the type of thing that I like or I don't like. But it's Jesus. Trust in God. Trust also in me. First thing is this that we can do. It says, we, I said, it, we can trust in him. Jesus said this, in this world, John 16, verse 33. How about this? So don't be surprised. How about this? John 16, verse 33. Jesus said this, in this world, you will have trouble. You think, 
Dear me, that's a great word. That's a great encouragement for this morning. Thank you. How about this? But take heart! Exclamation mark in the NIV. I have overcome the world. How about that? Defeated the grave. Death has no sting. He's alive forevermore. He's sitting on the throne. He walks amongst us. He wants to be. His kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not just pie in the sky when I die, but cake on the earth right now. We may know this living God right here on earth. Heaven on earth. We may know the kingdom of God, the rule, the reign, the sovereignty of God. This is what he wants. And so he says, you will no trouble in this world, but take heart, says Jesus. He says take heart, not because he's just given us a bit of hype, a bit of in- mental encouragement, because there's something tri- intrinsically truthful, tangible. He says, I have overcome the world. And you may know, and ultimately we may know, the way our country goes is determined about how we take heart and who we trust. Who we trust and then how we pray as we trust the living God together. So we're called to trust him because Jesus is the one who has overcome every obstacle. He only has to say the word and it can be. Jesus only has to say the word and it will come into being. We read that God can do more than we can ask or even imagine. All the doomsayers and half of them are Christians. Half of them are Christians. I'm, I'm shocked I thought it was completely toxic. So I had a couple of days not watching it and just going back to saying, what do you say, Lord? What do you say? Take what God says. Don't take what I say. Take what the word of God reveals. Take what the Holy Spirit inspires from the written word of God. Take what he's saying. Trust in me. I have overcome the world. Second thing that we're to do is found our lives on the rock. We read so we can trust him. Now put your foundations in him. Get rooted in Christ. Yeah, get planted in the local church. Yeah, put your foundations and trust Jesus Christ. Trust the Holy Spirit. Trust Father God and trust his living word, which he wants to plant in our hearts. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 27. You'll maybe know the story very well. There are wise and foolish builders. I tell you what, at such a time, this is a time for us to take heed of Matthew 27, 24 to 27. Jesus talks about this idea of building our lives on ground that's solid and ground is like sand that will be washed away. And uh, we can see things that can be washed away around us. And he says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, says Jesus, and puts them into practice is like a wise man, or woman for that matter, who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, We've understood a bit of that in Long Eaton recently. And the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. We are called to build our lives on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, the word that he gives, the surety that he gives. He's the living God. And he says, build your life on this. It's not pie in the sky. It's real, tangible reality. And let the word of God reign in our hearts and lives at this time. It's not hyping it up. It's coming in hope. Hope in the living God. Great hymn by, written by Edward Moat, 1834. It's called The Solid Rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. 
It's a great hymn. I, 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 I tend to be... Um, 21st century relevancy, I, I agree with that completely. That's where my heart would be. But there are some amazing hymns that celebrate the reality of the sovereignty of Almighty God. Go away and read those lyrics. They echo what is tangibly revealed, the revelation of God to the nations, to the universe, that God is in control. It's not fate. It's, it's coming in hope and faith, trusting in the living God. So who are you going to build? What are you going to build on? Whom are you going to build on? You're going to build on the solid rock of the word of Jesus Christ, the living word, and what he says about you and life and how he defines you and my destiny and the destiny of our nation found in him or are you going to do your own thing are you going to trust what the world says and build your life on sand because it will get washed away but we can know the rock of the truth of whom jesus is and he's a good god he's a good father we sing you're a good good father it's who you are is who you are. Come on, let's believe that. Let's live that. Let's hope that. Let's li- we live in hope, not just for the future, but now. Now. Oh, I need a drink after that. <laughs> Please tell your Christian friends. Take to Facebook and tell them. Tell the world that Jesus lives. Finally, Jesus says, remain in me. Hey, I talk about re- whether you voted remain or exit, right? So I'm not talking about what's right or wrong. I'm just taking a step back from all of that and saying, what's God got to say? But Jesus said, I tell you, if you did think about remain, how about this? Jesus says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Talk about remain. That's uh, amazing words from the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, if you remain in me, that's John 15 verse 5. John 15, verse 7, reads like this. John 15 is a great, great, great. Go and read it again and again. Found your life on Jesus Christ. Uh, look, we will be shaken. We will go through some... We, it won't, like, like Annette shared the picture this morning. Floods may be around us, and we will get pretty soaked. Some of you are saying, tell me about it, because we're going through hard times. We may get soaked, but if we remain in him, and he in us will bear much fruit. He says in John 15, 7, if you remain in me, and then how about this? And my words remain in you. If you remain in Jesus and the words of Jesus remain in your heart, in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Remain. If we're talking about remain, let's stir our hearts and get, follow Jesus afresh. Tell the world that Jesus lives. Uh, hold on to hope. Uh, stoke up the fire of your heart and say, stir up the gift. Paul said to Timothy, so as we conclude and finish now, um, there's always, there's power in the prayerful remnant. There's power in a prayerful remnant. So how do we conclude? Uh, just briefly this morning. I believe there's power in a prayerful remnant. What do you think, what do you mean by that, Adrian? Look, not, you know, in the United Kingdom, 33, I think in 2011, there was a census taken. And 33 million people in the UK said they're Christian out of a population of 65 million in the UK. 33 million said they're Christian, whatever that means. Uh, there's about 2 to 3 million evangelicals in the UK, right? So let me just tell you something. In Genesis chapter 18, verses 16 to 13, there's a story about a man called Abraham who prays for a filthy city, a number of cities called Sodom and Gomorrah. They were places that God said, I'm going to um, destroy these cities because... The filth of the sin is coming to heaven and it's 
going to be burnt with fire. Basically, that's the story. And uh, Abraham starts to pray. He intercedes, really, for these cities. It's in, Math- in Genesis 18. Anyway, so, but Abraham comes to God and says, Look, God, if I can find 50, 5-0, if I can find 50 righteous people, will you save the city? God says, Yeah, I will. I'll do it. I'll save the city if you can find 50. Anyway, Abraham continues to pray. If I can find 45, God says, Yeah, I'll, if you can find 45, I'll save that city. It's in uh, Genesis 18. And God, it goes on, and Abraham goes on, to, if it's 30, eventually Abraham gets down, for this, if I can find 10. And God says, for the sake of 10, yes, I will save that city. And throughout the Old Testament, there's an understanding that God is grace. God is gracious. Even in the Old Testament, God shows grace. It's just that it's magnified with the coming of Jesus and him giving his life. Grace is magnified now. And from Jesus, we can look back on grace throughout the Old Testament. And we can see grace, but now it's magnified in Jesus here. But God is always, will always, there's something about, even if it's a small group with faith, there's idea, it's called remnant theology throughout the Old Testament. For the sake of even a small group, if God can find even a small group of people, there's something about God's heart that he will turn his heart to the nations. In the UK, there's about two to three million evangelicals. I think that's a pretty, pretty big remnant. For the sake of ten, God says, I will say, I tell you what, I'm hopeful. Because not everyone in the United Kingdom is a Christian. Probably not everyone in the United States. They might say they are, but they're not. And, and, not, and not everyone in the world. There's billions of Christians in the world. Billions! Billions! And in the UK, there's about two to three million evangelicals and a lot of other people that will say they're Christians as well. So that's a pretty big remnant somehow, I think. And if we turn our hearts towards God and intercede a loving Father who is the sovereign of the universe, I tell you what, it says, even for the sake of ten, yes, I will spare those filthy cities. How about that? Awesome. Because God is awesome. God is a Father of great grace. So as we conclude this morning, Abraham pleads, And God does something amazing. God is sovereign over all. I may not be sure of what the future holds, but I'm sure that God holds the future. I may not be sure of what the future holds, but I am sure that Father God holds the future in the palm of his hands. He holds the universe in the palm of his hands. So that's not hype, that's hope. It's faith in the living God who is sovereign over all. So we're called to, to trust Jesus, remain, give our lives, found our lives on him, Know his word and hold it dear and in our hearts. Get hold of his word, dear in your hearts, and come and respond. And come, Father God decides our destiny. Father God is the one who decides the destiny of the nation. He'll decide the destiny, ultimately, of Europe and what's about to happen across the nations now. And the destiny of the United States, destiny of the UK, the Western world, the Eastern world, China, you name it. God, ultimately, will have his way. We're to encourage to pray what? Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. It's not just a pattern prayer. On earth as it is in heaven, the will of the sovereign to be released through us, in us, amongst us, and in the nations. Let's pray together. 
Worship team are going to come back. We're going to sing. God is able. God is in control. He is the ultimate sovereign. And we're going to stand as we close this morning. Should we stand together? I invite you to stand with me as we pray together. And we're going to sing God is able together. And then we're going to speak over the nation. We're going to pray for the United Kingdom. We're going to pray for the nations. We're going to pray for the United States. We're going to pray over our, your hearts and lives. And we're not hyping ourselves up. We're coming with hope. We hope and trust in the living God. Jesus is alive. Tell the world that Jesus lives. But we've got to know that too. We've got to hold on to that in our hearts and lives. Father God, this morning we thank you. We love you. We honor you. You are the sovereign of the universe. The earth is the Lord's and everything and everyone in it. And so we come to you. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. We revealed, you revealed that God is love. You're the truth, Jesus. The way, the truth, and the life. The truth is the th- that which sets us free. Let your word take root in our hearts and lives. I confess I'm concerned. We're all, many of us will be concerned today. Some of us very disappointed with the outcome of a referendum in our nation. But we pray for our nation. We want to pray for our politicians, those in authority, those in government. Our government, whether it's the Senate in the States, the people from the States, or the president-to-be, lawmakers, decision-makers, righteousness exalts the nation. Oh, righteousness exalts the nation. Oh, God, we pray. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way. Let your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in the heaven. As it is in the heavens, let your will and kingdom come and come and have your way in our nation. Lord, we pray where people feel that it's something that's gone out of control. We're going to hit a brick wall. We ask you, Father God, to have your way. Have mercy on our nation. Have mercy, O God of grace, God of incredible mercy. Where sin abounds, your word says grace is even more abounding, has an even greater effect. Your love is relentless. Your will will be done. Your love changes everything. It's changed history. Our destiny isn't because of a referendum. Our destiny is because of the cross and the risen Jesus who stands at the right hand of the Father. He's seated and he stands. Oh, Lord Jesus, you're alive, active, and want to be active in our hearts and lives. Come and stir up our hearts and minds. Encourage the nations. Encourage your people here today. Come, Holy Spirit, come and have your way. In Jesus' name, we pray. We love you, Father. Amen. Let's worship him as we close this morning. alive although the nations rage and though there may be shaking 
you have overcome the world, Jesus. We thank you that you possess such a great love. Great love that you should die for us and rise again. You're concerned. You're not a distant God who's far removed from the nations and the earth, who now turns his back on a creation because we go our own way. You're a God of great mercy, incredible love. And Father, we pray that you see the nations. You see our plight. You see our nation. We ask that you see, you hear our voice as we acknowledge that you are the way, the truth, and the life. You're the only way, Lord. We pray that you will answer as only you can through mercy, love, healing, and forgiveness. Jesus, you are the desired of all nations. People might not realize that. Maybe there are many people that turn their back on you, but you still love them all the same. You never leave us, nor forsake us, and we turn to you as a local church and of one of many thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of churches across the face of this world and say, Jesus, 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 have your way in the nations, we ask. Have your way in our nation. We pray for our government. We pray for those in authority, those to be duly elected. We ask that righteousness may prevail, that we won't be shaken just by popular opinion and the most popular argument. But let righteousness somehow prevail. Work for good, Father God, in circumstances that seems to be so difficult. We ask, Sovereign Lord, Father God, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, come and have your way. Let your will be done and your kingdom come. In the United Kingdom, we pray. And may there be a hope and unity in the nations, we ask. In Jesus, your wonderful name. May your name be lifted high through our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.